Shalom, and thank you for listening to Beit Zayit Messages. If you enjoy this teaching, consider joining us Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. at 465 Lee Highway in Verona, Virginia, for our morning Shabbat services. Or watch the service live stream on YouTube, Facebook, or on our website at BeitZayit.org slash live. May the Father bless you richly through the hearing of His Word. Shabbat Shalom. Okay. Well, uh, as you might have gathered, uh, this week's Parsha is Mishpatim. Uh, it's neat how each tour cycle, what used to feel like a weird, obscure Parsha, parsha becomes richer and richer and more, and more meaningful. So I'm going to attempt to uh, orate on it a bit. Uh, it's mostly drawn from uh, unrolling the scroll, so you're going to probably recognize Daniel Lancaster's verbiage voice and all that, give him full credit. Uh, but yeah, Mishpatim, it's rulings or judgments. Uh, little factoids that are fun. Uh, uh, this is uh, one of the longest uh, parshas in the Torah. Uh, it even gets its own title, the Sefer Habrit, or the Book of the Covenant. And you know, last week's uh, parsha covered the Ten Commandments, but this week's parsha. Uh, has more than 50, 53 to be exact, uh, uh, commandments. And uh, for anybody that's curious, that's 8.64% of the 613. So a pretty substantial uh, chunk of commandments here. Uh, it's easy to read. You say, well, just let me get through here. I don't have any donkeys, you know, so let's get it over with. But, but there really is a lot of deep meaning and a lot of it. And, and of course, I can't cover it all. But uh, there, interestingly, there are 23 positive commandments, and there are 30 negative commandments, or mitzvot. And as you've got a clue, if you haven't read it, that, you know, laws about the Hebrew slave, uh, general laws relating to slavery, penalties for assault and theft, laws for paying of payment of damages, laws regarding financial transactions uh, in lending, and the responsibility of someone who's put in charge of something, uh, the care of someone else's property. Uh, Mishpatim also includes laws that warn against uh, mistreating the stranger, which I appreciate. Uh, laws relating to the observance of festivals. The, uh, I believe it mentions the three pilgrimage festivals. Uh, agricultural laws and laws about ties. And also the prohibition on cooking a kid in its mother's milk and many others. So again, it means judgment. So when we think of uh, judgments, we're usually thinking, well, don't judge me, right? It's sort of an opinion that is unwelcome from somebody else. Um, what's another way of judging? Uh, boy, I had it so fresh in my mind, and now it's gone. Uh, but, you know, in, in this context, it's, it's, it's rulings. Uh, uh, it's it's uh, as if it's coming from an authority, right? Well, God's got quite a bit of authority, like all of it. So don't, don't try to separate that out from, yeah, there's a... There's a a way of uh, interacting with your fellow man as far as judging what's right and wrong and then also talking to them about things that maybe uh, need some judgment. Oh, I think it also judgment as, um, you know, getting your just desserts, right? You sinned, you're being judged, clearly you had the car wreck because God's judging you. So we have all that sort of muddled up in our head, right? Some of it's on track and some of it's not on track. But this is, I, I just want to say it, maybe it's for me, separate it out that, it's, um, these are rulings from our Father, specifically. All right.
Uh, it doesn't have any laws about beating a dead horse, so sorry. You know, I just went for it. <laughs> uh, let's see here. So these judgments are not meant to make our life difficult or bring us down to be the wet blanket. Uh, it's a list of commandments and guidelines for the exercise of righteousness and justice. Uh, Hebrew word for justice is mishpat. Uh, and so we'll focus on Yeshua some here. Yeshua declared justice to be the first of three weighty matters of the Torah. Uh, refer you to Matthew 23, verse 23. Uh, Woe to you, hypocritical Torah teachers in Perashim. You pay your tithes of mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the weightier matters of the Torah, justice, mercy, and trust. These are the things you should have attended to, and importantly, without neglecting the others. So we're not saying, he's not saying, don't do all those little details. He's saying, focus on the main thing and do the, the more minor things as well. So Lancaster says, uh, righteousness can be understood as the fulfillment of legal and moral obligations. In the ju judicial sense, it implies an exonerating verdict, not guilty. Justice can be understood as the fair administration of authority, rightly deciding between contestants, rightly rewarding, and rightly punishing. God loves righteousness and justice. He desires them more than sacrifice. Uh, talking about Abraham, God chose Abraham because he knew that Abraham would teach his children after him to do righteousness and justice. And we see that in Genesis 18, 19. Uh, For I have made myself known to him so that he will give orders to his children and to his household after him to keep the way of Adonai and to do what is right and just. Uh, another scripture uh, talking about David. Second uh, Samuel eight fifteen. David ruled over all Israel. David administered law and justice for all the people. So you can see the theme here. We're talking about justice over and over again. Uh, Acts thirteen twenty two. Uh, Shaul was preaching uh, the gospel at the synagogue, but he, he, in verse 22 he says, God removed him and raised up David as king for them, making his approval known with these words, I found David ben Yeshai to be a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want. Um, and that verse was taken from 1 Samuel 13, 14. And I may jump around a bit in here. Adonai has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and Adonai has appointed him to be prince over his people. Um, Proverbs 29.4. Not getting political, but it does mention taxes. A king gives stability to a country by justice. We'll leave off the last part. Uh, we're not going to talk about taxes. Uh, when David administered law and justice for all his people... He was demonstrating the character and the qualities of, of God's heart, right? And, and that's where I'm trying to make the connection, you know. Uh, God's heart is justice. It is mercy. It is trust. Uh, so, talking about Yeshua. Our King Messiah, Yeshua, we know, of course, has the heart of the Father as well. And he displays his characteristics. Uh, Jeremiah 33:15, When the... When those days come, at that time, I will cause to spring up for David a branch of righteousness. He will do what is just and right in the land. And in the Messianic era, 
uh, King Yeshua. He's going to rule over the entire world. Isaiah 11, 3 uh, through 4. Or, uh, he will not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but he will judge the impoverished justly. He will decide fairly for the humble of the land. And looking forward to the future, that's when at that time the nations are going to come to Zion to learn Torah from Yeshua himself. Uh, Baruch Hashem, I that's going to be great. Uh, another scripture, Isaiah 2, 4, and I know I'm running through a lot. I believe there are 13 of them, so we're most of the way there. Uh, he will judge between the nations and arbitrate for many peoples. So he's going to make judgments, right? And I don't know what these conflicts are going to be. You would kind of think like, hey, everything's done. And maybe it will be. It's a one and done. Like, hey, that's your land. That's your land. Be nice. And we're done. I don't know. We'll, we'll just, it's probably more of a discussion for a Torah club. But like, what are we going to have to fuss about? Really, people, come on. Uh, anyway, he will be the judge between the nations and arbitrate for many peoples. Isaiah 9, 6. In order to extend the dominion and perpetuate the peace of the throne and kingdom of David, to secure it and sustain it through justice and righteousness. Henceforth forth and forever, the zeal of Adonai Sevaot will accomplish this. So as believers, we, we at least verbally, right, mentally, we, we've submitted to the authority of this future kingdom that's coming, we, God's kingdom as we see it now, and also God's kingdom of the future. And, you know, we're endeavoring, we're trying to study, we're trying to understand, uh, and you know, to the vexation and, you know, sort of surprise of our families, uh, we're also trying to walk out the Torah standards of righteousness and justice. Uh, you know, Yeshua's return could be tomorrow. Uh, or let's say Yeshua was already here. What do we do? Well, uh, this was an interesting quote. I, I don't have the exact reference, but it's, it's uh, Lancaster quotes one of the sages. The Holy One, blessed be he, says, whoever does justice draws the redemption closer, as it says, and it refers to Isaiah 56, 1, observe, my, uh, observe justice, do what is right, for my salvation is close to coming, my righteousness to be revealed. Um, so, uh, talking about today's Parsha some more, you know, when we read these uh, mitzvot, we think, well, this by today's standard, a lot of them seem pretty barbaric um, to our modern eyes and sensibilities. But, uh, but really, if, if at that time, uh, the instruction, the teaching, the law of the Torah was really radical. Uh, well, I'd say that it still is radical. But, uh, you know, think even now today, there are cultures where if you steal something, you, you get your hand cut off. You don't that's the restitution you're paying. You're not uh, paying a financial restitution. You actually cut, cut your hand off. So uh, that's not what the Torah is outlining here. It's, it's setting up a system of, and, and again, that eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Well, we would all be missing eyes and teeth right now if that's how God intended it to be. It means, hey, if, if you do this much damage to a person, there needs to be some compensation for that. And a, a verse earlier, I think we read today, it, it lays it at the feet of the judges to determine that as well, right? Uh, so it really was revolutionary. Instead of sort of vigilante justice, someone may be mad and might. I have the might, so I'm right, right? I have the power and the strength, so I'm going to dominate and do bad things to you. 
the father put, a, put the brakes on all that and said, no, look, there's a method to it. You need two witnesses. I mean, we talk about, oh, well, they're going to kill that guy. Well, you've got to have two witnesses. It's got to go before a court. It is not vigilante justice. It's metered, measured, and uh, it's not up to just one guy, right? One, one person to decide you're going to have a council of judges. And if it's a really complicated case, it'll go to 70 judges to decide. So uh, anyway, where I'm at in my notes here, I have no idea. But that's typical. Uh, so yeah, even the principles of our modern legal system, our constitution, it all goes back to Torah, right? may not mention the donkey specifically, but the principles are there. And, and the father was giving instruction that met the people where they were at that time, but uh, just because you don't have a donkey doesn't mean you can't look at, at, at that, you know, where the, the donkey's collapsing under the load, but that's your neighbor's donkey that you really can't stand. Uh, he can't stand you, you can't stand him. The father's saying, no, go help. You can't just walk past and pretend there's nothing there. I'm sure we can find situations today where that still applies. Just because it doesn't have a donkey doesn't mean you're not supposed to do it. So look for the spirit and the principle of what he's trying to teach. Uh, let's see. So we know that a lot of the earthly powers today don't really acknowledge the Torah. Even if you have a legal system that stemmed from it, a constitution that stemmed from it, you know, that it's not cool anymore to acknowledge God, it seems, uh, among certain circles. But the fact is, is it still de was derived from the Torah. And, uh, again, using the donkey example, there's no verse, page, part of the Bible that doesn't apply to us, uh, or in, at least in the sense that we should study it to understand it. Yes, there are certain laws that... The, the laws for women don't apply to me. Uh, also, uh, not in the land of Israel doesn't apply to me. There's not a temple intact at the moment. doesn't apply. But, but we should be studying, and I'm preaching to myself, of course, each line as if it, it, it was important and meant something. Now, maybe we don't understand it yet, right? You read it, and you're like, okay, I'm trying really hard. I, don't, I still don't understand it. That's okay, because it's a cycle, right? We're going to keep studying, keep studying every year. Uh, we were coming for a high episode and driving the drive, and uh, I'm thinking, you know, the drive isn't as exciting as it used to be. Uh, we're starting our fifth year here at Bet Zaid, and just quick back at the napkin, that's, we've made that trip over 200 times, right? And I'm not saying, oh, isn't that wonderful? The point is that you just keep going, so maybe the drive isn't so exciting anymore, but either end is exciting. It's exciting to get here. It's also exciting to get back home, you know. But uh, I guess my point is, is, hey, let's make it 400 times. Let's make it 600 times. Let's make it 2,000 times. It's a cycle. Uh, keep doing it, and it's good. So I say praise the Lord. Uh, so I'm looking at the clock because this is a little longer than I usually do it. Uh, there are a lot of laws in this Parsha, and traditionally, you know, uh, a lot of people seem to view these laws in the Torah as if they're really a bad thing. Again, barbaric, don't apply today. And it's commonly taught that the law is the opposite of grace. Uh, you might hear someone say, we are no longer under the law, we are under grace. And the implication is that since we've received Yeshua, we don't need to concern ourselves with the laws of the Old Testament. That's the grace versus law. Uh, 
So what do we mean when we say we're not under the law? Does that mean we do not keep God's rules? I mean, I, I, I don't get in too many heated debates except with myself, maybe. Uh, but you, know, you say, what about the Ten Commandments? Are you going to throw those away as well? And of course, no one would dare do that. But all these other laws, right? Uh, for example, does it mean if we get rid of these laws that we can commit adultery and theft, maybe just a little bit of murder, just a little bit? Uh, no, I mean, it's, you're laughing because you're like, yeah, that's ridiculous, you know. Uh, well, that's God's law from the Torah. Um, so what does it mean? The, the grace versus law concept is derived from the writings of Paul. Very easy to understand, right? Uh, that's why I'm leaning on Daniel Lancaster to help talk about it. Uh, in his epistles, it seems that Paul pits the two in opposition to each other. He says things like, before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law. That's Galatians 3.23, which I think we have a uh, scripture for that. Galatians 3.23. Uh, now, before the time for this trusting, faithfulness came. We were imprisoned in, a subject, in subjection to the system, which results from perverting the Torah into legalism, kept under guard until this yet-to-come trusting faithfulness would be revealed. Uh, start looking at Galatians 5.18. If you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law, right? But if you're led by the Spirit, then you're not in subjection to the system, that results from perverting the Torah into legalism. One interesting thing, you see both times it mentions a perversion of Torah into legalism. It's not saying the Torah itself. But it would be easy, really, to misunderstand uh, when you read those statements. I certainly have. Uh, and you no know, Christians, but really anyone, uh, doesn't need to keep God's rules. And again, with the little bit of murder thing, we think, well, wait a minute, something's not quite right. So Paul realized that some people might misunderstand uh, some of his teaching, so he cautioned us not to suppose that grace gives us free license to sin against God. Romans 6, verses 1 and 2. So then, are we to say, let's keep on sinning so that there, will, there can be more grace? Heaven forbid. How can we who have died to sin still live in it? Romans 3, verse 31. Does it follow that we abolish... Torah by this trusting? Again, heaven forbid. God forbid, right? Uh, on the contrary, we confirm the Torah. It, the problem is, is when you take the, the stance that the Torah is done away with, then you, just, you don't take time to sort of notice those details. Perversion of the Torah, it, turning it into legalism. Uh, you know, you just sort of glaze over that. And that's what I did for many, many, many years of my life. Um, but Paul was not teaching believers that they did not have to keep God's rule. Or if Paul was not teaching that, what was he talking about? In Paul's day, uh, many of the Jewish believers taught that before Gentiles could be part of the kingdom of heaven, they needed to become Jewish. The idea that a Gentile must become Jewish before being saved, is what Paul calls under the law. Paul believed that Gentiles became sons of Abraham and part of the people of God through faith in Messiah. They did not need to earn that status by becoming legally Jewish. They did not need, not need to first come under the law in order to enter the kingdom. Uh, so the Bible doesn't teach 
actually the, the idea of grace versus law. Uh, grace is God's free gift of salvation for those who believe in Yeshua. And the law is his loving instruction for how we should live. So they're not opposed to each other. Okay, That might be an oversimplification of it, but essentially that's it. It's the grace uh, that we ha- where we have salvation, but God's uh, ruling still teaches how to live. They didn't go away. So grace versus law is a false dichotomy. They are not opposed to each other. They're meant to work together, hand in hand. So, but we are humans, and we like to mess things up. I certainly do. Uh, we can get things backwards. We start to believe that we've got to keep God's law to earn salvation. But remember, we're going to keep God's laws because of our salvation, right? Because of our love uh, for Yeshua and what he's done for us, uh, we want to honor him. We want to um, live for him. And, of course, we know that it is good for us, right? His laws are good for us. And so I know that was a ton of scriptures and tons of everything, but what's the goal? Yeshua said it, justice Mercy and trust. So if you're reading something, look at it through the lens of does this accomplish justice? Does this accomplish mercy? Does this lead to more trusting? Um, and and I, I'm going to try to, when I read the, the scriptures, to, to remember to think about that more. Or if you have situations that, hey, they're not outlined in Mishpatim, right? This is a new situation. Uh, what do we do? Well, does it accomplish justice? Does it accomplish mercy? Does it accomplish trust? That's what we need to work for. And I'm just so grateful that uh, God has brought us together and he's teaching us and we're learning and we're growing and his kingdom is coming and it's going to be really great. So with that, hey, 12 o'clock, Shabbat Shalom. Again, thanks for joining us for the Bates I Eat Messages podcast. This podcast is an extension of Bates I Eat Messianic Congregation, a group of Jews and Gentiles, one in Messiah, currently meeting in Verona, Virginia. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review, along with a five-star rating, or give us a thumbs up wherever you're listening from. If you're interested in learning more about the Creator and His Word from a Messianic Jewish perspective, Check out our website at BatesIE.org for helpful resources and more information. Until next time, Shalom.